Who here likes to be judged? Let's see a show of hands. Nobody. All right. None of us are like Angela from The Office. She says, I really enjoy being judged. I believe I hold up very well, even under intense scrutiny. We like Planet Fitness approach a little more, don't we? The judgment-free zone. Their whole approach to the gym is trying to make it a place where everyone feels comfortable working out. You don't have to be really strong or fit. Joe Schmo can come. It's a place for everyone to be able to exercise, to be a little more active without feeling like they're being judged. Like they might be if they're at a gym that's a little more for bodybuilders. Wouldn't it be great if our church was like that? The judgment-free zone? If we were like that? Where no matter where people are in their relationship with Christ, that we're people and this is a place where they can come and be honest about their questions and their doubts. Where they can begin to put their faith into action. Begin to see improvement to flex those faith muscles a little bit so that they grow without feeling like other people are looking down on them, like other people are judging them. But instead, we want to meet them where they are. We want to help them in ways that they need. Not so that they can be like us, but so that they can be like Christ. So that they can know him and love him more deeply. We hope to be a church like that, where you can belong where you're encouraged in your faith, where when you fail and falter, because you do and you will, as we say in our confession of sin every week, where when we do that, we're not condemned, but we're picked up, where we're encouraged by the gospel and by Christ and pushed toward holiness through grace. But that hope isn't always realized, is it? Planet Fitness, the self-proclaimed and trademarked judgment-free zone, also has a thing called the Lunk Alarm. You ever been there? It's this loud siren that goes off and this spinny light. It goes off anytime someone breaks one of their rules. Usually it's grunting loudly or if you drop a weight... And this draws everyone's attention. Like, you're working out and you hear it go off and you're automatically like, right? Talk about shaming the person who just did something. The judgment-free zone is fine, judging lunks all they want. You ask, what's a lunk? Well, they tell you. It's one who grunts, drops weights, or judges. Might have noticed a little bit of a rhetorical leap there from making noises to judging someone but we do that too then they use it in a sentence like it's the spelling bee right they say ricky is slamming his weights wearing a built bodybuilding tank top and drinking out of a gallon water jug what a lunk well now it's not just the noises it's judging it's wearing a certain tank top it's drinking out of a gallon water jug and they're even fine using lunk derogatorily like that. Turns out the judgment-free zone isn't so judgment-free. And unfortunately, 
we're more judgmental than we'd like to admit. We do these same things. We have our own lunk alarms that go off. We all judge others, at least sometimes, but if we're honest with ourselves, it's probably pretty often. Let's see what James has to say to address this problem in our own hearts and lives. This is James 4, verses 11 to 12. It's also printed in your worship guide. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but the judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us. That you would work in us as we read your word and as we look at it this morning. Illuminate to our hearts and minds. Show us where we do this in our own lives. And help us to see the truth of the gospel. Make us more like our Savior, who is merciful and forgiving. Change us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So James' command here is probably something that we'd expect if you've been following along in James with us. In chapter 3, he talked about the problems with the tongue. He says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison where we one minute praise God and the next curse someone who's made in God's image. Then last week we heard about quarrels and fights even in the church. And so those two things that we've just talked about the last few weeks kind of come to a head in the way people are speaking against one another. They're using their tongues with our bent, which are bent toward sin and condemnation. And James has been stressing how the gospel needs to play out in our lives, what it looks like for us to really follow Christ. And he's encouraging us toward an undivided life where we love God and love our neighbors. But that's not what's happening here. James commands them. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And that brothers in, throughout this passage could be brothers and sisters. It's inclusive. But the Greek tense is a present tense imperative, which means this is something that's actually going on in the church. When he's saying don't do it, he's not saying don't start. He's saying stop it. It's happening and it needs to stop. It's not right. In our American culture, I think, hears this and says, amen. You have no right to judge me. Don't speak against me. Don't tell me what's wrong. I'm just being who I am. You don't even obey the Jesus you say you serve when he says, judge not. Right? That's probably America's favorite verse right now. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, lest you be not judged. James is telling us not to speak against one another as well. So what does that mean? Or what doesn't that mean? It doesn't mean that we don't make any judgments. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize sin as sin. 
and lovingly call people to repentance and obedience. If that were the case, the book of James wouldn't exist. <laughs> he couldn't say all the things that he's been saying previously. But Jesus even said in John 7, later, or no, in John 7, he said, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. When we see things according to God's word, we see them as he sees them. We see them rightly. We see them as they're supposed to be. We see that sin is sin and recognize that it's not okay. And yet we can be loving toward others. So instead it has to do with the way that we make judgments. When Jesus says judge not, and what James says here, and when I say judging over the next hour, it's not saying that we shouldn't make judgments, but that we shouldn't be judgmental or unloving in the way that we do it. Because right after Jesus says judge not, he goes into the, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It says we don't ignore the speck, right? We help them with it. But we deal with our own hearts and lives first. And we don't see what others do as worse than what we do. We have no right to look down upon others, to condemn them. It's like if you see someone in a Viking shirt, right? You can judge rightly, and you can say, it should not be so. And you can love them and say, here's a Packer shirt you can wear instead. <laughs> or we can judge wrongly and say, boo, gross, why are you wearing a Viking shirt? What is wrong with you? Let's get out of here. You probably like Ohio State too. Boo. You see the difference? Judgmentalism, this having this critical judgmental spirit is wrong. And it leads to us speaking against one another. And James says this must stop. But the problem is that as we've recognized earlier, we're all at least a little judgmental. We've all got our own lunk alarms. We're ready for them to blare. Just waiting for the noise to set it off. The last thing James said before our passage today was, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. But when we're judgmental towards others, we're not humble. We're proud. We're lifting ourselves down and look, lifting ourselves up and looking down on others. It said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. But when we speak against or judge one another, we're exalting ourselves. First, above our brothers and sisters. Second, above the law. And finally, above God himself. Those are the things we're going to be looking at the rest of this morning. Then speaking against and judging one another, we're exalting ourselves above our brothers, above the law. And above God. First, we're exalting ourselves above our brothers and sisters. Look with me at verse 11. It says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother, he goes on. So James mentions 
brothers three times here in this kind of half of a verse. Brothers, people who should be for one another, who should be loving one another, helping one another, not speaking against and judging one another. So what does James mean when he says this? What is it to speak evil against one another? When it says evil, it makes it sound like it must be some pretty bad stuff. But that's not necessarily the case. The word evil itself isn't there. But it's put in there to say it's this negative speaking against. It's speaking against someone in a negative way. So this includes saying something against them to their face. But also to others. It includes gossip. Sharing things about someone when that other person has no right to hear it. Or slander, when we make things up and share it with other people. As he said before, we talk too much. (laughs) It doesn't stop. And as James is wont to do, he addresses our external actions, the way that we talk. But then he also gets into our hearts. That's the switch he makes here when he goes from speaking against to judging. The speaking against is what's flowing out of our own hearts. the judging that we're already doing expressed then we have to ask why do we complain about others why do you talk about and often highlight their shortcomings what are we doing in our own hearts there why do we even say true things in these biting and hurtful ways Many of us don't come out and say what we're thinking to someone's face in a straightforward manner. But we make these little jabs. I'm pretty good at that. I can get that last dig in. It makes sarcastic comments that cut at other people. Or we speak down to them. condescendingly. Have you ever experienced that? Like you're being talked to like a five-year-old? We can feel it when people are being condescending to us. They can be saying true and right things in hurtful and harmful ways. How do we talk down to others? When we do these things, just like the lunk alarm description, we make the jump from one thing, maybe that even did hurt us, And then latch on to every other possible little thing, don't we? One thing that happened and it snowballs into, well, they also did this, 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 this. Every little thing. Even some that are untrue. That we don't understand. And yet we do that. It's like the guy wearing a muscle shirt. Or a water, gallon gallon jug of water. Like, There's nothing wrong with those things, and that's in the description. But when we do these things, we're not loving others. We're not loving our brothers. We're not loving our family. We're not helping them. We're trying to hurt them. We're tearing them down. We push them down to lift ourselves up, putting ourselves above them. Because that's what we're doing, isn't it? What we're saying is, I'm not like that. I don't do that. I'm better than that. 
We don't say that last part out loud, though, usually. But who are we to do that? We're not superior to anyone in here. I'm not better than any of you. None of you are better than anyone else in this room. All the good that you have is by the grace of God alone. And praise him for that. We have no reason to boast, Paul says, except in our weakness and in the cross of Christ. When we speak against and judge one another, we're exalting ourselves above our brothers and sisters when we should be humbling ourselves before the Lord. But we're not only exalting ourselves above our brothers and sisters, we're also exalting ourselves above the law. Look with me at the end of verse 11 there. The one who speaks against and judges his brother and sister speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So James makes this shift from brother then to law. So how does that follow? I think it follows because of the nature of the law. That the law is a unified whole that reflects God's character. It reflects who he is. We talked about this back in chapter 2. We talked about the law. That it can be summed up in the Ten Commandments which can be summed up in the two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But when we're speaking against and judging one another, we're either picking and choosing which part of the law to apply. Obviously, the part that matters more is what they're doing wrong. Or we're holding them to something that isn't even in the law, and we're making the law ourselves. But the problem is that when we're speaking against and judging one another, we're not keeping the law because we're not loving our neighbor. We're actually the ones breaking it. Because when you do this, what you're saying is, what you're doing is wrong. It's worse than, or it even justifies what I'm doing, or why I can say this. And when we go there, we're saying, this law matters, and this law doesn't. We're judging the law. If we pick and choose, in doing so, we're judging the law. We're speaking against parts of it. Think about traffic laws. Now, I might be the only one who does this, but I get frustrated when I see people getting pulled over for going like five miles an hour over the speed limit. They're not really being unsafe, in my opinion. But then I see people running red lights and not using turn signals when a bunch of cars are around. I get frustrated. That's an injustice to me. You see what I'm doing? I'm judging the law. I'm saying running red lights, bad. Speeding, most of the time, not so bad. Right? I'm speaking against the law. I'm putting myself, at least in my mind, above the law. When that's not my role. That's not my place. And in our society, laws are written and passed by sinful people, so it might be fair to criticize laws. It might be fair to even go against them at times when they go against God's law. Then we should. But when we're talking about God's law, that's not the case because God's law is perfect. 
God's law does not contradict itself. God's law is not arbitrary, but flows from the very character of God. God's law is a unified whole, where to break it at one point is to break all of it, as James said in chapter 2, because it reflects who God is and who he calls us to be as those made in his image. So when we're judging someone, you need to ask, what part of God's law am I diminishing? What am I saying doesn't matter? What part of God's own character am I rejecting? Why am I acting like it doesn't matter? Because it does. But that's what we're doing when we're judging others. We're breaking the law ourselves. And part of the irony is that most of the time, the law we're throwing out or thinking doesn't matter is that we're to show mercy and forgiveness. Acting like those are less important. When that's what we need most from God. His mercy and forgiveness. We're not called to be judges of the law. We're called to be doers of the law. Not to earn salvation, but to please the God who has saved us. But when we speak against the law and judge one another, we're exalting ourselves above our brothers and above the law. But even more than that, we're exalting ourselves to the very place of God. Look with me at verse 12. It says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? That first part can also be translated, the lawgiver and judge is one. It's kind of an allusion back to what we call the Shema, the greatest commandment in Deuteronomy where we hear, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we see James shift from where he said brothers three times. Now he says neighbor. You can see the connection to what James previously called the royal law. The second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But when we speak against others, when we set ourselves up as the judge, we're putting ourselves in the place of the one true God. The only lawgiver and judge. We're usurping his position. We're making ourselves God. But there's a problem. You're not God. <laughs> You're not able to save or to destroy. And praise God for that. Because if we were, there would be a whole lot of destruction. I mean, isn't that what we're trying to do when we're judging and putting others down anyway? Praise God that we don't have that power. But we serve a God who does, the one lawmaker and judge who is able to save and to destroy. The one who created us in his own image to spread his glory throughout the earth and who gave us his holy and righteous law showing how to live as his people. Not to earn his grace, not to earn a relationship with him, but to reflect him as his image bearers. But we break his law over and over and over. It's what we call sin. 
And the penalty for that is death. Treason against the creator of the universe. It's what we deserve. It's what's just. And he didn't just give the law, but he's also the judge. The perfectly just judge who will let no sin go unpunished. But it says he's also able to save. Not by setting justice aside, but by taking it upon himself. That's what Jesus did. That he kept the law perfectly, that he lived as we should have lived. And yet he willingly gave his life and took our punishment, our penalty, in our place. And he rose again from the dead on the third day that we might be saved. And we don't have to do anything to earn it. All we do is trust in him and what he has done. All we have to do is believe that he is the son of God, the savior of sinners. And begin to follow him. And if we trust in him, then we're united to Christ. As we sang, we're hidden in him. That we're completely safe. That we have no need to fear destruction or death or judgment. It has been paid for in Christ. As we mentioned last week, how we set ourselves up as enemies of God. We were enemies of God. And yet he loved us. He sent his son to save us. To save all who trust in him. That we need not be destroyed. But that we can be healed. That we wouldn't be rejected. But we'd be accepted and adopted as his children. If you have never done so, confess your sin today. Trust in him. And he will save you. And he will change you. And he's so patient with us, isn't he? So merciful and gracious toward us that though we continue to sin, even after trusting in Christ, week after week after week, day after day after day, we continue to sin and yet he stands ready to forgive us because of Christ. As we read in Romans 8, he doesn't condemn us because there's Therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He will not judge or destroy us. Because that's already been poured out on his son. He saved us. And now he's making us more like Jesus. And that's what he's calling us to. He's not just calling us to it, but he's given us his own spirit to live in us, to empower us, to change us, to enable us to obey to see where we, we're doing these things and to begin to kill it. So what did Jesus do? He didn't speak evil against us. He didn't judge us, but he humbled himself for us, that he came to serve us, he came to save us and to help us. And when we're speaking against one another and judging one another, we're exalting ourselves to the place of God, and yet we're acting so unlike our God. 
Don't speak against or judge one another, brothers and sisters, because when you do, you're putting yourself in a place that you do not belong. Instead, humble yourselves before God, and He will exalt you. 